At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Friday, July 8th, and today we're going to be looking at some fantasy winners and losers so far from NBA free agency and this offseason. To help me break this down, I'm joined by Raphael Johnson and Steve Alexander. Uh, guys, I was out last week, so I feel like I haven't seen either of you in a while, but Steve, for whatever reason, I feel like I haven't seen you in about eight weeks. I'm not sure why that is. I think I saw Raph more recently. How are you, man? I feel like the last time we did a podcast together, we said the same thing. Like, oh my, I haven't seen Matt Strapp in like we're three taking weeks, like a summer break. It was probably more like five days. Is, is all yeah, we're really taking was. some time off this summer. You and yeah. I are. But yeah, <laughs> nice. I'm good. I'm Raph? good, Matt. I I, Raph, I too new? was gone last week, but unlike you, I I continued to to power through it and do some work. Wow. Uh, while I was not wow, home, not so subtle, not so subtle there. <laughs> <laughs> Raph, how's your how's your summer unfolding? Is everything going um, well? How are things? Yeah, kind of recharging the batteries a little bit uh, yeah, after sure. the draft. So yeah, now it's summer week time. Uh, that should be a fun week and a half of basketball. They started out in Vegas last night, but yeah, we had we've had some already had some Chet Holmgren related fireworks. We had yeah. Jabari Smith and Paolo Bancaro on Thursday. So yeah, fun, looking forward skip. to all the. Uh, insane hot takes and we have absolutely no clue how these guys are going to fit into their actual rotations but exactly that's the fun of it we got what we got seven minutes of mystery man shaden sharp that was exciting before he got hurt yeah that mystery remains unsolved i'd say (laughs) good way to put it (laughs) all right well we're here today to talk free agency slash offseason fantasy winners and losers. We'll mostly be looking at this from a fantasy standpoint, maybe a bit of real life as well. But let's start by going through the winners. And Raph, we'll start with your first winner, a certain New York Knicks point guard. And we're not talking about Emmanuel quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to go with Jalen Brunson. There's been some criticism about the size of the contract that Mm -hmm. he received. I think if you're going to criticize the Knicks for anything, it's probably for tipping their hand as early as they did, where you kind of have to put up that money. But hey, yeah, we can call it tampering. Second round pick, maybe <laughs> coming off their hands soon. But yeah, you know, either way, if you identify your guy, you go get him. You know, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty simple. And the Knicks had a clear need at the point guard position. Had a need for, I'd say, well over a decade now. For being honest about it, so mm-hmm. Brunson coming off of a career year in Dallas, a little over sixteen points per game, four point eight assists, three point nine rebounds, zero point eight steals. 1.23 pointers on 37% shooting. His usage, 21.9. I think that's going to go up in New York. And you look at the Knicks' offensive profile, they ranked 22nd in offensive rating last season, 30th in assists, 29th in pace. I don't think Brunson's going to change too much in terms of the pace. But when we look at having a, a true setup guy who can get R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and everyone else quality shots that they don't have to try to create on their own. I think he's going to really benefit there. So I think the assist number is going to go up for Brunson. The shooting, you know, good shooting splits across the board. 
I think he's going to be a fantasy winner next next season. I totally agree with that. I think it's interesting that we have been talking about Brunson going to the Knicks for like three months, and then Couple he goes years. to the Knicks. Yeah, it's weird how that weird how that happens, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I think he could uh, help their pace a little bit. I know he's very aggressive. He likes to get into the paint. He's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. So I, I love it for Brunson. I think you know. I think if I'm drafting today, I'm looking at him maybe like fourth round, probably. But I also like it for the for the Mavericks because it takes Jalen's usage out of there, which means more usage for you know who. Luca likes to have the ball in his hands just a little bit. It does hurt Dallas as a team because Brunson was such a good player and such a good compliment to what yeah. uh, to what Luca did. But it also is going to help having these new big men in Dallas. Which man, I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about this now. Are we supposed to go all the way around the room let me, on Brunson? Let me just comment on Brunson and then let's we'll keep it in Dallas um, okay. and and go there. I was just going to quickly add to Brunson. So, Raph, you mentioned the numbers. I mean, I try to imagine in my mind what he's going to jump to in New York. I mean, the good news is he'll literally never leave the floor, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's going to be out there virtually the entire game. I don't know if like 20 and 8 is in his – maybe the 20 points is is reachable. I feel like maybe like 20 points – six assists is within range. You'd love to see him shoot more threes because you mentioned pretty good percentage, but relatively low attempts. So hopefully that number goes up a bit. I don't think we ever think he's going to be like a great steals guy, but like if you're talking about a point guard with good percentages, ridiculously low turnovers last year, you've got to think that's going to go up a little bit. But even if it does, he's got so much room. I mean, 1.6, even if it goes up to like 2.5 or something, that's a great number for a point guard. So I feel like he's a super high floor fantasy point guard and you know, you draft him, you're not going to be like, oh, this is just blew up in my face. You might not get the astronomical through the roof numbers, but you're going to get a, a super safe, high floor guy who who is going to go off on some nights. Yeah. So I think, you know, I agree with Steve's range till the fourth round, maybe fifth round. At that yeah. point, you're taking a point guard. You're probably thinking of him as your secondary point guard. So, yeah. you know, I think you get a slight increase in the scoring. I think the assist, like I said, the assist should go up. Um, so yeah, I think if you can get like a guy like that fourth or fifth round, you're really going to like where your draft is headed at that point. And he was 16 and five last year. You know, that's playing alongside Luca. That's not being the guy. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think it's a stretch, Matt, for 20 and eight. I really don't. So Steve, you already brought up what's going on in Dallas. Obviously they added Christian Wood. And I believe that is one of your off season winners. Hit us with your thoughts on that one. Yeah. As far as Dallas goes, Christian Wood. Uh, getting out of Houston is such a good move for everyone involved because Christian Wood has been in the league long enough. He's he's looking to try to win right now. Houston's rebuilding. Dallas basically did what they did last season without a true star big man. I mean, they were getting th- getting by with Maxi Kleber and mm-hmm. Dwight Powell covering the big man positions for that team, and now. Suddenly they have Christian Wood and JaVale McGee. And I think both of those guys are going to be fun in Dallas and, and watching Luca run the pick and roll with them. I think we're going to see a rejuvenation from Wood. I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's going to be on a lot of, um, not sleeper lists, but he's going to break out again, I feel like. And then JaVale McGee, we're bringing him back 
from the Forgotten Land because Dallas needs a big man and he fits the bill. And I just think both of those guys have to be salivating thinking about playing with Luca. Yeah, would so would I think we take the shutdown risk out of the equation for the most part, which is huge, I think, for him. Um, you know, it, it, a nagging ankle sprain won't end his season after like 60 games like it would have likely done in Houston. And, Raph, I know that JaVale McGee was one of your winners as well. So why don't we go to your thoughts on JaVale and, and please obviously comment on Wood if you want to, too. Yeah, I wanted to add on Wood. He's heading into a contract year. So I think mm-hmm. with that and then joining forces of Luka Doncic, I kind of wonder if he may end up being overvalued slightly in drafts. Uh, for those reasons, maybe people expecting, you know, that, that contract year explosion that we've seen so many guys have in the past. And I don't know where what range I would think about drafting him, but I do kind of wonder if people may go a little higher on him than they probably should for that reason. As for McGee, my concern there, even though I think he's a winner, we've seen mm-hmm. Dallas not hesitate to play their centers less than 20 minutes per game. They're starting center. Right. Um, you still got Dwight Powell in the mix. You still got Maxi Kleber in the mix. I don't think those guys are going anywhere. So even if McGee starts, are we hoping that 25 minutes will be enough to derive good fancy value from him? Because I don't see him being a 28 to 30 minute per game center. You know, so yeah. I, I think there's upside to be had there, but I think there's reason for concern as well. I think the magic number with McGee is pretty low in terms of minutes. So Mm -hmm. last year, 16 minutes per game, he averaged around nine points, just short of seven rebounds, 1.1 blocks. And I looked back, there's only been one season in the last decade where he's gotten 20 plus minutes per game for the season. That was 2018-19 with the Lakers. 22 minutes per game, he put up 12 points, seven and a half rebounds, two blocks. So Mm -hmm. I don't think he needs a lot. He needs more than that 16 minutes per game to be consistently fantasy relevant. I think 20 plus, if he can, can we, do we think he's going to get 20 plus minutes? I really think that's all it takes for JaVale. He may not hit those Lakers numbers, but like in 20 plus minutes, this guy can get you 10.7 rebounds and a block and a half, you know, just ballpark numbers. And that's fantasy relevant right there, Steve. Yeah. And JaVale's old, you know, he's 34. He's been in the league since 2008, (laughs) which is crazy to me. Uh, It doesn't feel like he's been in the league that long, but like we just talked about, if you're playing 10 to 15 minutes a night for almost your entire career, that has an impact on on how well you're able to still play uh, later on. So I'm with Roth a little bit. Like I'm a little nervous about Dallas because they just we've just never seen them run a center out there in a long, long time, regardless of who mm-hmm. was coach or, or what. So I'm a little nervous that maybe they don't use McGee enough. But I mean – he literally only needs about, you know, 18 minutes a night to, to produce. So, and I, I just think that Luke is going to be like, no, I want these two big guys out here getting me re- rebounds. Cause that was one of Dallas's big problems last, last season is like Luca was their best rebounder. So just connecting to Christian Wood, who we already talked about uh, one of my winners and we have already covered this guy some this off season. So I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this, but just a reminder that, Alperin Shangun, when you look at that Rockets depth chart, finally, I think, (laughs) I'm scared to say this because it it didn't work out last year, but finally looks set up to be the guy at center, most likely for the Rockets. Yes, they have Boban, but we know Boban's not going to get big minutes regardless. I mean, things are set up well for this guy, I think, in Houston, finally. 
then and per 36 minutes, just a reminder, I know as frustrating as the experience was per 36 minutes as a rookie, 16.7 points, nine and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, 1.4 steals, 1.6 blocks, 0.73s. There is a fantasy bonanza in there. If the Rockets finally follow through with this. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Like you mentioned, that depth chart, they really don't have much of a choice but to put him out there as the starting center. Uh, Jabari Smith, I think they see him as a bit more of a four and a five. Mm-hmm. And you think about Jabari's athleticism and his ability to play out on the perimeter. I think that would make a good tandem in time to see what he and Shingun can do as they develop together as pros. So, yeah, I think it's now officially safe to hop on the Alper and Shingun bandwagon after kind of jumping on and jumping off throughout the course of last season. Yeah, we fell off a few times as well, I think, without <laughs> trying to jump. Yeah. Steve, mm-hmm. I mean, what could go wrong here, really? I mean, it, nothing. I mean, how could this possibly not work? Uh, you know, Roth thinks that Christian Wood is going to be overdrafted. I could see Alfred Shingoon also being drafted about the same time as Christian Wood. Um, Guilty. I just yeah, and, it, I just and there's him. still plenty of risk uh, to go around with Alfred Shingoon because we still – I've never seen him put up a, a game where I where my mind was just kind of kind of blown. I, I guess I it's you, happened. I if, think you're blocking it out, Steve. He did have a couple. He had some monster games last year. Yeah. Okay. He had a couple. Chet Holmgren has had two in two games, Steve. and I'm I I have a little Look, clearer picture of, of where Chet is going. But that's that's we get it, Steve. You there. don't like Shangun. It's fine. You, no, I just don't. I have trust issues, and I will be drafting Christian Wood. I will probably not be messing with Shangun. I'll let you guys handle that this year, and Send then I'll, on I'll get on the bandwagon a year late next year. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Raph, let's go to your next winner, which is a certain point guard. Another point guard, Raph. Yeah, this guy wasn't a free agent, but he was traded. Monte yeah. Morris. Now, the Washington Wizards, they also signed DeLon Wright, but mm-hmm. I feel like Morris is going to be the starter there next to Bradley Beal. Um, and he played quite well last season. 74 starts, 12.5 points, 4.5 assists, 3.0 rebounds, 1.63 pointers, and he shot 39% from three um, in mm-hmm. 29.9 minutes per game. I think he can get over 30 minutes per game. And obviously, he doesn't have very far to go. Um, But, you know, playing next to Beal and Porzingis, I think Morris's usage should jump a little bit just because neither of those guys is the creator that Nikola Jokic is. So I think moving there to a team that was really poor three-point shooting, uh, Washington was 26, and they were 22nd in scoring. So adding Morris to the equation – as long as the partnership between he and Beal works out, obviously we saw that Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie didn't work out at all last season. I don't think we'll have those types of issues this time around. I think Morris is going to be a fancy winner in this in this whole thing. I'm on board. I don't think of Monte Morris. I'm sure you don't either, Raph, as like a big ceiling guy. But yeah, another like safe one. Yeah, yeah, a really safe uh, fantasy point guard if you've taken some swings elsewhere and like you said I mean he's not playing with Jokic anymore so that 4.4 assist number could easily go up I also think DeLon Wright while he is considered by some a point guard is a little more of a Swiss army knife who yeah. can play the three can play the two DeLon Wright's sort of more of a basketball player honestly I don't even <laughs> think he's best suited to be a point guard I think he's a good a good just a good 
player who doesn't really have a position. So, I mean, that probably benefits Monte Morris as well. So, yeah, I think he could be a guy who people see as kind of boring and therefore is really, uh, you get a great value on him in drafts. So, I'm on board with it. Yeah, I've always been a Monte guy. It should be more of the same, right? Like, he's he's at least going to be serviceable. There is some upside there. Yeah, I think we can classify him as a winner on the move. Let's keep it in point guard territory here because, as you guys may have heard, DeJounte Murray has been traded to the Atlanta Hawks. I think we will talk about that a little bit more later on. But looking at the San Antonio point guard situation, I see a pretty clear path to success for one Trey Jones. And it's funny that we thought maybe Tyus Jones would be the an offseason winner. He's not. I think Trey Jones could be, though. As a starter last year, 11 games, 13.5 points. Four and a half rebounds, seven and a half assists, one point one steals. Okay, he's not a good three point shooter. He had just point three per game as a starter. But I mean, other than that, Raph, what is what is not to like here? Do you see any anything to stop Trey Jones from like 28, 30 minutes a game or more? Not really. Uh, just because you look at the Spurs in the past, we've seen them rest players, but that's usually been your more established pros and guys where yeah. they pretty much know what they're getting. I think with Trey Jones, you're still trying to figure out what can he ultimately be in the NBA. So for that reason, I don't think you're going to have too much of a a concern with regard to a late season shutdown unless he somehow becomes an all-NBA point guard. Then we can talk about that later. But I don't think that's going to be much of a concern. I think he's going to be a lot like his older brother, Tyus. You know, he takes good care of the basketball. When we saw him out there in extended minutes last season, he played reasonably well. So – I think he's one of those players where it's kind of a boring risk, I guess you would say, in terms of a draft. You take him late, uh, it may come on, on paper, it may be viewed as a risk, but in terms of how he plays in his production, it would be a bit boring because you kind of know what you're going to get there, being honest. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of the Monte, a little bit of the Monte Morris blueprint, which like... Low-carb Monte. <laughs> What's that? Low-carb Monte. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't I don't want to overdo those 11 games as a starter, but seven and a half assists. Yeah. I mean, I remember he was a plug-and-play, certainly a plug-and-play DFS guy, you know, uh, whenever he got a chance last year. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's a bit of ceiling here, Steve. Do you have any thoughts on this one? Uh, I mean, I just can't stop looking at the San Antonio depth chart of Trey Jones, Josh Primo, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, and Jakob Pertle as the starting lineup. Keldon, like, I don't Keldon see... is going to feast this year, by the way. Sorry to interrupt oh. you. Yeah, he's going to score, but he doesn't do anything else. Yeah. Uh, Vassell, Vassell could be fun. But I don't see any of these players where Pop's going to be like, oh, I need to, sh- I need to shut Josh Primo down. Like These guys are going to play tons of minutes. Yeah, And it's going to be fun. I think Trey Jones is one of those guys where you take him as late as you can when you need a point guard late and hope that he does everything that we think he's going to do. I mean, there it's limitless what he can do because the minutes are going to be so crazy. There's nobody else to play point guard in San Antonio yeah. right now. So looks like a pretty good situation to me. I think he's definitely one of the big winners with DeJounte in Atlanta. By the way, Josh Primo is 14 years old. He's certainly not going to get shut down. Is, isn't he? He was extremely, was he, he was like, was he the youngest player in the league last year or something? He was one of the youngest, if not yeah. the youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but by the way, that's a super, that's a super fantasy sleeper right there. That's a deep, deep, deep league sleeper because the, the 
Spurs invested a very early pick in that guy. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, wait, what? This, what? What just happened? So that would be another guy. That would be a guy I would legitimately keep an eye on because he did mm-hmm. uh, pass the eye test, I think, at times um, as a very young rookie. But I think Steve, the entire Spurs team is, is going to be – I mean, yeah, I, they, they've, they've gone from being unwatchable and the most boring thing you've ever seen to now they're like them and the Rockets are kind of fun. And also, let's not forget that they're going to be tanking hard – Trying to get mm-hmm. Victor Win Bambiama, who I saw a picture of him this morning standing next to Chet Holmgren, and he's literally like towering over Chet. I, if if OKC can get Victor, it's going to be over for a long time. Steve, I think your next winner is in. Well, fact and it's a good team. segue because I, I yeah. believe Dejounte is at least on my list. I don't know if he was next, but we'll go with him since we were just talking about the Spurs and we were talking about DeJounte. Uh, Matt, hopefully that doesn't mess you up. No, I'll jump in. We'll, we'll just combine it. Your thoughts and my thoughts. One, one item. I'm pretty excited that Trey is going to have some help. I'm pretty excited that both of those guys can run the point. Both of those guys can play shooting guard, I think. DeJounte was so good last year. So many triple-doubles, so many near triple-doubles. As we saw in the playoffs, teams were able to really focus on Trey and stop the ball with him, and that pretty much shut the Hawks' entire offense down when that would happen. I think having two guys out there that can handle the ball and run the offense is going to help Atlanta, and I think that's probably why they did this move. Part of me wonders if they wouldn't have traded for DeJounte, would they have a shot at getting Kevin Durant? I don't know, but uh, I'm pretty excited to have DeJounte and Trey playing next to each other. I think a lot of people's initial reaction is, oh, that's weird. Why do you want two point guards? But I think what we saw in the playoffs, that the Hawks sort of need need two point guards. Yeah, Raph, I want to hear from you in a second because we talked about this hypothetical before it actually happened, and I think mm-hmm. you were a little concerned about the fit. I think, first of all, from real life, I think this was a swing the Hawks had to take, even if the fit ends up being something they have to figure out because – I mean, like you said, you had to have another playmaker. You just had to. They had no one else who could do anything off the dribble. So I think it was a must try. And I, I love it in real life. I'm really excited. I think there could be some growing pains. But like, I, I'm super excited about the potential. In terms of fantasy, I don't want to overreact. But I think there's a chance where DeJounte and Trey both take a bit of a hit in terms of counting stats. Not worried about DeJounte's like two steals per game or anything. Not really worried about like his rebounds or... Maybe even his points, but like, is he is he going to get nine assists a game playing alongside Trey Young? That's hard to picture. And likewise, if the goal is for Trey to play off the ball a little bit more, which by the way I think is a great idea, I don't know how much he's going to buy into it or whether Nate McMillan can orchestrate it. But in theory, Trey Young is a, is a lights out catch and shoot guy. So th- there's a lot of paths to this working, Raph. But fantasy wise, I do think both guys are inevitably going to sacrifice a little bit, even if it's not a lot. Yeah, I think in the case of Murray, like you mentioned, you're still you should still get the defensive stats. Yeah. And his size can help provide some cover because as good as Trey is offensively, he's a guy that teams can target on the other end of the court. So now you have Murray to kind of, you know, do the take on that primary uh, defensive assignment on the perimeter. I think that'll help out there. So I'm still. I still have my questions about the fit in terms of the, how they're going to share the responsibilities when it comes to making right. plays. But I, it doesn't feel like the gamble that I thought it was before it actually happened. So I guess yeah. having a little time to kind of think it through, 
Fantasy-wise, they're, they're going to take a hit. But real life, I think it's something that can work out because we've seen multiple teams be successful when you have multiple on-ball playmakers. Fantasy-wise, do we see I, – I think just a few weeks ago, we would have all said DeJounte Murray is a no-doubt first-round fantasy guy after being a first-round fantasy guy this past year. Do we see him fall to the second round now, do you think, in fantasy drafts because he's now playing with Trey Young? Uh, I want to hear from both of you guys on that one. Steve? I think when we started to put this show together, we were just looking at winners and losers, and I wasn't really totally totally focused on fantasy. And I do think, like you, both of you said, that DeJounte is going to take a little bit of a hit playing next to Trey Young because he's not going to have the ball in his hands as much. But on the flip side, those other numbers are still going to be there, and he's, he's still going to score yeah. a, a solid amount of points. He's still going to get rebounds. He's still going to get assists. So I don't think he falls off a cliff, but I don't think you can draft DeJounte in, in the first round playing next to Trey. I think he's more like, is he a second-round player, or is he a I third? Take I mean, I'll I may, take him in the second round, yeah. you will. personally. I will, if you're yeah. there, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm taking him as well, just because I think those other stats will help you make up for a loss in scoring. Like, yeah. how much are we really expecting his scoring to drop off? You know, yeah. I think the one question – what happens with John Collins? Because obviously that's going to impact, you know, the scoring mm-hmm. opportunities for everyone across the board. Collins probably drops a third in the pecking order, but at a certain point you do want to, you need to keep your big somewhat happy. So they do their other jobs as well. So I think that's going to be another question that needs to be answered between now and training camp, to be honest with you. But yeah, I'm on board with Murray in the second round. If he's there in my draft, I'm going to take him. I feel a little bit like with Collins, with each passing day, we're more likely that he's staying, at, it mm-hmm. seems. And it seems like we have sort of flown through the storm now. And, and yeah. maybe, I, and not to say a trade couldn't happen, but it's starting to feel like I may be able to wear these jerseys with Collins on the Hawks for at least another <laughs> year. Um, by the way, as for DeJounte and Trey, I think the one other point to make is based on everything I've read on The Athletic and elsewhere, it seems like the plan is to basically have DeJounte or Trey on the floor at all times. DeJounte Murray is both the, the two guard and the backup point guard on this team. And so those minutes where Trey is out, let's say it's 12 a game, DeJounte is going to be out there piling up stats. So yeah, we don't want to overreact too much to these guys playing together when they'll both get a chance to play without each other as well. Back to, we got a few more winners before we go to losers. Raph, let's go to your next guy and the city of Sacramento. Malik Monk, um, coming off of the best yeah, season of his one. career. As a, as a Laker, a one-year contract, that was pretty much that was all on the table for him at the time. So you can't really classify it as betting on himself, but he went there and got the job done. About 14 per game, 3.4 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 0.8 steals, and 2.3 three-pointers per game. And that was on a team that was really challenged for spacing. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about Russell Westbrook's shooting struggles, Anthony Davis, his availability issues in terms of injuries. So I think moving to Sacramento and likely I think he's going to start next to De'Aaron Fox just because of the size and athleticism and shooting ability that he brings to that off guard position. I don't know how many points per game he's going to end up averaging, but being able to play off of Fox and DeMontis Sabonis and get the ball in his hands a bit more. I think Monk is a fancy winner in free agency. But Kevin Herter also ended up there, right? Yes, he did. I don't know. I, I think and, – and Davion Mitchell is also still there. So I think who starts might be the key to this whole thing. 
I I don't know, man. That's four pretty good guards in De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell, and Malik Monk. Are there enough basketballs to go around for all four of those guys to go off? I think so. I have a hard time seeing Mitchell starting next to Fox. Um, as good as Mitchell is defensively, yeah. he's six feet tall. And right. I don't think that's going to work in, in today's NBA. So I think you're talking about either Monk or Herter. You know, we've seen – I think Herter is more of a, a high floor guy in terms of fantasy. Uh, you guys watch him in Atlanta, so you obviously know more than I do about him. But he's a good player, but I think there's a bit more in the way of upside with Monk and the offensive capabilities that he has. I think he's going to end up being the guy personally. This team definitely has a little bit of a glut, though, of rotation guys because they still have Harrison Barnes. They drafted Keegan Murray, number four, who looks like he needs to play right now. I mean, that guy looks ready right now. So where am I going with this? I don't know. Yeah, I, I just think the Kings are crowded. But like you said, maybe they just admit, well, we, we used a lottery pick on a backup point guard in Davion Mitchell. Let's just admit that. And, and maybe... I don't know. Is there room for Herder and Monk, or is this a is this an either or situation or a platoon? That's that's a big question. I think there is because remember they moved Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless via trade, mm-hmm. and I think Murray is more of a a four slash three than he is yeah. like a, a true wing. So I think that's going to kind of help straighten some things out in terms of available minutes. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm Rafi's officially on my radar. I trust you. Okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> maybe maybe not fully on my radar before this, but but I listen. I'm listening. Okay, uh, I don't know about Steve. We're not sure if Steve's listening yet. <clears throat> Steve. Well, all I uh, all I know is they're the kings. So yeah. you know, so, that's very It'll all make sense. It'll all it'll all make sense in the end. Steve, you also have a remaining winner that is a basketball team. Well, I, I, yeah, it's, I think it's a win for, for both the team and the player. And that's Rudy Gobert ending up in Minnesota. We're going to have a front line in Minnesota that features Carl Anthony, Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. And since Carl Anthony Towns doesn't actually play defense, this is big news for the Timberwolves to get uh, Gobert in there because he does, he does play defense. So that's kind of fun. And then the fact that Donovan Mitchell only passed the ball to Rudy Gobert like seven times in five years, uh, that'll be good because now D'Angelo Russell might throw the ball to Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. And I, I just think that when you when you look at this, look at this lineup that Minnesota is going to be throwing out there next year with D'Angelo and Ant and Gobert and Cat, like it, it's going to be pretty fun. And I think for the first time, really, in a long time, Minnesota fans have something to be excited about. Now, is Rudy going to become like a fantasy legend and start scoring 20 points a game? It's not going to happen. He's he's never going to be a, a big offensive force, but his offense could improve a little bit in Minnesota if they use him more effectively than than he was used in, in uh, Utah. So I think it's a big win for Minnesota. I think, if nothing else... I think Gobert's value remains unchanged, might go up just a little bit, but I'm not worried about him playing alongside Cat because I think Cat's uh, now going to become that that dude that floats out there at the three point line like Porzingis, and that actually might be might be annoying after a while. Raph, where are you on this one? Yeah, I like Gobert in Minnesota. Uh, we'll see how it works in terms of defending more athletic force with regard to Carl Anthony Towns. But 
overall, Minnesota is a better perimeter defensive team than Utah was. So I think for some of the criticisms of Gobert in terms of what happened in the playoffs, which I thought were a bit unfair, besides Royce O'Neal, who was traded to the Nets, who did he really have that was doing their job defensively on the perimeter? You know, Mike Conley is in the latter stage of, of his career for being fair. Mitchell's never been a great defender. Bojan Bogdanovich tried as hard as he did to guard Luka, and, and I respect him for trying to take on that assignment. Mm-hmm. He, was, he wasn't a great defensive player either. Now you put Rudy with Anthony Edwards, who's, who's shown a willingness to defend. Don't forget about Jaden McDaniels. He's the one guy that Minnesota refused to give up in this trade because they really liked his upside. We've seen what he can do when he gets extended minutes. And I don't think that Towns is going to be a complete liability because even if you involve one of those two bigs in those two-man games, the other one's lurking weak side. So I think in terms of both Gobert and Towns, the block shot number will be something to keep an eye on in fantasy. So I think whichever one's playing off that that main that uh, primary action stands to really benefit in terms of protecting the basket. So I'm interested to see what happens there. I really like the potential of this team because we've seen some of the teams go in the opposite direction of going small. Yeah, Cleveland before their injuries and now Minnesota's doing it. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch and it's a nice counter to what we've seen a lot of the other teams in the NBA do. I know. I can't wait to see what happens just from a real-life standpoint when you know Golden State or Dallas go, you know, goes small against yeah. the Wolves. What, what in the world is that going to look like? Uh, it's going to be fascinating. So... Uh, I think we got just about two more winners to hit here before we go to some fantasy losers. I'll go to the Pacers and to one Jalen Smith, and he's now re-signed with Indiana. Rick Carlisle has already come out and answered our questions. He already come out and said he re-signed here to be the starting power forward, and I think we need to listen closely to that. Per 36 minutes with the Pacers, Jalen Smith averaged nearly 20 points and 11 rebounds with one and a half blocks, 2.13s. That means if you look at his minutes with the Pacers in about 25 minutes a game, he had serviceable fantasy numbers. I think there's some pretty significant upside here, uh, Raph. And as of now, he's slated for a big role. Like I, I, I'm pretty excited about Jalen Smith as a guy who I also think is going to be relatively not too difficult to get in drafts. Yeah, I'm all in on sticks as well. Uh, and I think the question, what happens with uh, Miles Turner? Obviously, uh-huh. you know, Miles can play the five and and uh, Smith the four, but if you move him, you open up even more scoring opportunities for a guy like Jalen Smith. Um, Isaiah Jackson suddenly becomes relevant when he was kind of a lottery ticket in fantasy mm-hmm. last season. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on Jalen Smith. And you've got your head coach saying that you're going to be the starting power forward from day one. That's a big, uh, you know, amount of that's a large amount of faith to put in the guy. So, yeah, Jalen Smith is definitely someone that people should be looking for in drafts. Yeah, I like him too. I mean, I think we all like Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. Like, mm-hmm. Isaiah Jackson was hurt a lot last year, too much for my liking. And, you know, I disagreed with you guys a little bit on when he was going to come back and whatnot. But just as far as talent and skill and ability, man, both of those guys are really good. Um, we really don't know what's going to happen with Miles Turner. I still think the plan is for – Indiana to move him at some point this coming season, but he's going to be there to start the season. It sounds like, and you know, that's going to impact Smith and, and Jackson, both Goga is still there. Daniel Tice is there. 
So there's there's question marks, but as as far as Jalen Smith being given the starting job now, I can't believe that Carlisle told us that this early and is not going to make us guess. It's great news, and I'm hopefully the hype train doesn't start rolling too hard on on Jalen Smith and he ends up being drafted early in leagues. But um, I could see it happening. I, I like him. All right. One more big guy to mention, Raph. Let's go to Brooklyn, back to Brooklyn. Can't remember if we've been there yet. Give us your thoughts. Yeah, it feels like we've been stuck there all offseason with everything yeah, that's really. going on there. Really. But, yeah. Nick Claxton got his new contract, and even with the chaos that's going on in Brooklyn, I think he's a clear fantasy winner for that reason you know, alone. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. The fact that Brooklyn's given him a long-term deal, I think it's quite clear that they're committed to him being their starting center. Played well in about 21 minutes per game last season. Mm-hmm. The key is for him to stay healthy. So I kind of feel like he's taken that mantle from Robert Williams where we talk about his fantasy upside so long as he can stay healthy. 67% from the field, 8.7 points, 5.6 rebounds, 1.1 blocks. At this point, we don't have to worry about Brooklyn putting a journeyman center in there there to kind of placate their stars. So I'm on board Nick Claxton bandwagon, even with the injury concerns. Yeah, me too. In in fact, looking at at Brooklyn's uh, depth chart right now, like Claxton is literally the only person on the whole thing that I I do trust and that I do have a a feeling of like I know what's going to happen with him this year. And I feel like I've been waiting for Nick Claxton to break out for the last two two years, but I also feel like it has to happen this year. Like I don't see how this doesn't work. So I, I'm with you, Ralph. That's a good good call. Claxton is literally the only thing we can trust in Brooklyn right now. I mean, it's almost too good. That that's the only thing that worries me is like the depth chart yeah. is so thin there that are they going to add a veteran at this point and. I think I'm kind of just waiting to see which young center Hassan Whiteside ruins this year because I'm super intrigued by Walker Kessler with the Jazz. Mm-hmm. And similarly with Claxton, I really like his outlook as long as you know he doesn't get a veteran to come in and platoon with him and cut into his value. I just think at this time around, they're not going to take the recommendations of KD and Kyrie. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's, why, that's pretty much why DeAndre Jordan wound up in Brooklyn. And he basically torpedoed what little upside Claxton had in terms of fantasy. So I don't think that's going to happen this time around. So I think it's safe to, unless you're worried about the injuries, which I certainly see, but otherwise I think it's safe to kind of gamble on Claxton. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let the injuries stop me. The only other pause I have is the free throws. When the last we saw him, he went four for 22 in the playoffs. I think there was a one for 11 game in there. I'm going to (laughs) assume hopefully that didn't, you know, do some lasting damage to his mechanics or his yeah. you know, mentality at the free throw line. And hopefully he gets a clean slate and can be at least passable at the free throw line. Cause that's uh, some scary territory there. Four for 22, Steve frightened. Yeah. Am I supposed to say more about Claxton? I thought I already talked about it. <laughs> no, you just look like you want to talk. Anytime a guy hits one of 11 free throws or four of whatever that other number you said was, you always have flashbacks to Ben Simmons. And you got to make sure that uh, Claxton is not there. Part of me is churning in my head is like Christian Wood, Alperin Shengun, and Nick Claxton. Is is there a 
automatic order those guys are going to be ranked in? Is it Wood, Shengun, Claxton? I think so. I think okay. Claxton will be the. I think Claxton will be the most readily available of those guys in drafts. I do too. Just because we haven't seen him consistently put up big numbers, so I think you're going to get the best value on him. We can move on to losers in one second. I'm just going to do honorable mentions real quick. We don't need to spend a lot of time on these. Speaking of barren depth charts at center, look at if it's the Zubats with the Clippers. Isaiah Hartenstein has left for the Knicks. The, the depth chart in LA is just it's Zubats and nothing at center. Last year, 10.3 points, 8.5 rebounds, and a block in 24 minutes per game. I don't think this is a guy who's going to you know, suddenly get 35 minutes a game or anything, but could he get an uptick to like 27, 28 minutes a game? Potentially. He's already solid. He could be a little better than solid next year. So I think he's kind of a low-key, low-level winner for me. Like, literally, there's no other center on that roster. Like, we have Robert Covington slotted in as his backup right now. I'm not sure that's accurate. I think I'd rather see Marcus Morris put in there, but what a mess. Either way. Either way. And the last one, again, we don't need to spend long on this. Jared Vanderbilt, as of now, is well set up in Utah after that Gobert trade. So another guy to keep in mind late in drafts as of right now because he looks like he'll be the starting power forward for the Jazz. Yeah. All right. Losers. Fantasy losers are coming up. First, we're going to take a very quick break. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesdays and Thursdays called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. Okay, we're about 45 minutes into this show. The good news is I don't think we have 45 minutes worth of fantasy losers, so I think we can make this a shorter segment. Raf. You've got a few guys you want to mention. I've got a couple. Steve's got a couple. Where do you want to start, Raf? I think we should start in Toronto with uh, one Chris Boucher. Um, I'm happy for him that he got his contract extension. Yeah. But the fit from a fantasy standpoint concerns me. Uh, Just because we've seen he's had moments where he's been able to play through his his mistakes and play heavy minutes. And we've seen other times where he's been on the floor and then taken right off. I just feel like we have Pascal Siakam. You still have OG Ananobi there. Yeah. Um, Precious Achua gave him good minutes last season. You've got Thaddeus Young, who was also re-signed. 
Yeah. Now you add Otto Porter as well. Oof. I don't think Boucher is a guy that I can really have much faith in from a fantasy standpoint. He'll certainly give you numbers on occasion, but in terms of drafting him, I don't think I can do that personally. Sad, Steve. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't I don't know what else there's to add, Steve. Do you have anything to add? I think Raph nope. summed it up. No, perfectly. we're we're running over. It, it, it's heartbreaking. Move, let's go. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm similarly heartbroken. No, I'm not, but I'm a little sad about Bruce Brown's outlook after his really fun year with the Nets. He's with Denver and I think it's bad times there, Raph, barring an injury. Yeah, I guess you can say that just because you've got Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Those guys both potentially being back. Barton's gone. I know. So yeah, I guess maybe, I don't know. I don't think you're expecting a jump in production. I guess I would say that much for Bruce Brown. I think he's going to be a clear – he certainly is a good asset for them to have in terms of the defensive ability, the rebounding, and you can put a smaller player in that dunker spot offensively. But in terms of fantasy, I don't think you're expecting much uh, from him just because of the options that the Nuggets already have on the perimeter uh, in that location. Well, because KCP is there now too. I don't think we really yeah, have Brown as a shooting guard. And even if they wanted to to shoehorn him in as a shooting guard, KCP is a guy who coaches like to have on the floor, for better or for worse. That's a guy who earns minutes wherever he's been. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess if MPJ isn't healthy or he has a setback or something, that would be Bruce Brown's path. We don't want to see that happen either because that would yeah. devalue Steve's jersey. So. We we can't have that, Steve. Don't be don't be jinxing my guy like that, Straub. Not, I'm not trying to. Not I'm in not July. Come on, it's too early. Uh, yeah, it's bye bye, Bruce Brown. Note to self: they, Did it? What would have been more fun than what we did today is if you would have just had had me or Roth. Or well, Roth's probably in better shape than me. Just have me not have a computer screen on and just play who he played for. And uh, I <laughs> I could have guessed on Bruce Brown for probably an hour. Let's see. It's not the Blazers. Who could it be? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve, a loser from you. Well, I'm just going to make this quick. I, I just I just can't get enough of the Nets. I, I can't get enough of the thought of Katie actually being traded, assuming they're not asking for the world in return. Which they are. They are. I mean, there's that report out there that they want Cat and Ant and, and four number ones or something. I think that was the report from Chris Haynes, yeah. For 34-year-old Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, I saw a guy on TV this morning. I can't, can't think of his name. But uh, he, had, he had listed like 15 players that he would not trade for Kevin Durant. And he had Luca. He had Giannis, number one. Luca was number two. And this dude on the show was like, Kevin Durant's the second best player in the league. Like, you wouldn't trade Luca for him? And he's like, no. Are you, are you crazy? And, and, you know, the fact that he's so old – Compared to all these other studs in the league, like the the Celtics aren't going to trade Jason Tatum for Kevin Durant. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. I and, and he's already kind of said I'm and I'm out. But if they can't trade him, is he going to is he going to sit out? Is he going to play? We don't know where Kyrie's going to. In the end, Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton are going to be sitting on that island together. And Ben Simmons is not equipped to handle being the alpha dog on any team. So I'm just fascinated by the entire thing. One of the worst experiments we've ever seen. I think the Nets held up their end of the deal. Some of their players did not. 
it is wild that you think like all of this turmoil with Kyrie and KD, and then you you do forget. Oh wow, they have Ben Simmons too. That's <laughs> <laughs> so ins- that's so wild. I just I forget about it because everything gravitates. To- Kyrie and KD take up so much in their orbit. It's like oh yeah, there's Ben Simmons. What's gonna happen with that guy? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I wonder if he's gonna play this year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, will he ever play basketball again? That's that's a fascinating storyline. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, good times. Good times in Brooklyn. Raph, who's next for you? I think it's Mo Bamba. I know he had a good fantasy season this past year, but staying in Orlando, they have even more of a log jam in the front court. Still got Wendell Carter Jr. Jonathan Isaac, I assume he's going to be healthy. Yeah, he looked to be in good spirits sitting courtside at the summer league game last night. So oh, that's all I'm going to Yes, there was an appearance. Uh, so okay. you got him. You got Paolo Bancaro, the first overall pick. He's obviously uh-huh. going to play. I think he's going to start just because of his ability as a playmaker for a team right. that was absolutely brutal offensively last season. Right. And you've also got Franz Wagner, who's one of the best rookies in the NBA last season. I think he was second overall rookie, if I'm not mistaken. So Mo Bamba, if you draft him, you're pretty much betting that you're going to get good value for 20 minutes or so. Right. And – you know, I'm not even I'm not even gonna put Bull Bull's name in the equation, but they re-signed him as well. So there's another mouth to feed, so to speak. Yeah. Um, we haven't even mentioned WCJ. So well, I know I did. I, oh, I did mention okay. <laughs> Yeah, he's a starting center. So you've got all those bodies there. Chimo Kiki, that's another name I didn't mention. You know, so just I think there's just too many bodies there for Mo Obama to kind of have the impact that you would want out of someone that you draft. Now we talked DFS, maybe there's going to be some nights where he's a guy that mm-hmm. you put in your lineup, but for season long, I don't, I don't really like the fit there. Yeah. So Franz Wagner probably starts at the three Paolo Bencaro at the four and Wendell Carr Jr. At the five. Yeah. Bomba with like some backup, but then you have Isaac backing up the three and the four, I guess. And you, you know, you have Bomba kind of like you said, looking for, 20 minutes somehow off the bench maybe he gets to 20 to 24 I think the bigger issue for me is not can he get those minutes it's what are you investing in a draft to get him after he had a pretty good year and had some you know some excitement around his name because to me if I don't know if he fell late in a draft I think I'd take him just because you know even in 20 minutes I think he's can be fantasy relevant kind of like we said about JaVale McGee Steve yeah but he had some monster games last year right like uh, just these three point and block explosions, but then a lot of the time he wasn't doing anything. So yeah, I, I'm with Roth. You add in all this other stuff yeah. going on around him. I just don't. I'm not. I'm not messing with. You're uh, right, Mobamba. He's going to be a headache. I was trying to talk myself into it. I, I love yeah. Mobamba. I'm. I'm bummed. I'm. This one devastates me like Boucher devastates you. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. <laughs> all right. Trendon Watford was a late season sensation for the Blazers. I was looking at their depth chart this morning and was like, well, that's over because, yeah, yeah bottom line is over. Josh Hart's contract is now guaranteed. Jeremy Grant's there. That was fun, but uh, it's over until maybe next March, I think. And, Raph, maybe this is a quick excuse for us to talk about Anthony Simons because you originally had him as a winner, and then I think you uh, had second thoughts. I changed my mind. Um, the two of the reasons being guys you mentioned, you know, Josh Hart getting his contract guaranteed. Yeah, Jeremy Grant, Damian Lillard is healthy. 
So obviously Simon's usage is going to drop. So I, and I don't think we're looking at a situation like we saw in the past with Dame and CJ McCollum, where you knew those two guys were going to dominate the offense. You got Yusuf Nurkic in the fold as well. I don't think the addition of Gary Payton the second is going to do much to Simon's offensively, but given Payton's defensive ability, he's obviously going to have to play. Um, Simon's, I think one of the, the mandates for him is to get better defensively. So that's something he's obviously going to be focused on this summer, but what he showed last season as enticing as it was, it's not going to be a case where we, you know, turn around and gamble on him in drafts. Yeah. As long as Damian Lillard's healthy, it's going to be hard to hard to get too excited about Simons. But if he starts at shooting guard, I have no problem taking him, you know, second half of my draft. All right, Raph. Oh, Steve, your turn. Well, this is another one just like the Nets. The Lakers didn't do anything. They didn't do anything last year. AD and LeBron and Russ are, are back to try it again for year two. I'm expecting more of the same. Like I, hopefully, this super team big three thing is is dead, and and these teams need to be focusing on youth and development, and not just going out and grabbing these these old superstars. Especially the the Westbrook Lebron pairing just makes no sense. It never did. It never will. It still doesn't. So yeah, I. I I think the fact that the Lakers haven't done anything, the fact that they're talking about getting guys, but they're not, they're not doing anything. Nothing's happening. Like that is a losing situation for the Lakers, I think. And fantasy wise, all you've got is headaches in LA too, because we don't know how many games LeBron's going to play. We don't know when Anthony Davis is going to play. Westbrook should be coming off the bench for that team. Like just a disaster. Yeah. I, I, I'd be willing to roll the dice on Thomas Bryant, though, just because of the Davis injury factor. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why he picked the Lakers over the Celtics was, I guess he was presented with a path to potentially start. You know, if that was playing alongside Davis, they simply told him, look, this guy's probably not going to be healthy, so um, we kind of need you. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I think I if, if you're going to roll but, the, uh, this guy. <laughs> yeah. So if you're looking for someone to roll the dice on late, I mean, depending on what we see in the preseason, of course, but I think Thomas Bryant could potentially be that guy for looking at Lakers. Well, a lot of people uh, are going to forget that Thomas Bryant was on the verge of breaking out before he got hurt. Yeah. Like he was, he, mm-hmm. he was becoming a really good fantasy center. So I think that's a that's a good low key move right there because Damian Jones and Dwight Howard. I mean, Dwight Howard is what he's fifty something now, and Damian Jones should not be playing in front. of of, of a healthy Thomas Bryant. So I think Bryant is going to start there. And I, I, I like that call, Ralph. It's, it's nice. Ralph, I like what you did there. We were talking about fantasy losers, and you, you brought us a winner out of that situation. That was a great, great moment. Uh, Ralph, one, one last one for you, and uh, less positive news for a, yeah. a certain other big man. Yeah, I, I've got to go with Andre Drummond. You know, He's an upgrade. He's a clear upgrade on Tristan Thompson. We talked about that backup center position. But you look at Nikola Vucevic, who's starting, he's going to play 32 minutes minimum. Andre, you're looking at 15, 16 being available, going off of the basic math there. So I think the fit, while he can do a bit more for the Bulls than Tristan Thompson did, I don't like it from a fancy standpoint. So I don't think there's any way that you can even consider drafting him. Nah. 
I don't I don't think you can hear, especially since since Matt's favorite NBA fantasy player, Nikola Vucevic, is camped out in front of Andre Drummond on that yeah. depth chart. Like that's that is not good news for Andre Drummond. And Drummond really needs to be starting and not have any options around him, I think, to be a fantasy option these days. And that's it's not good. It hasn't been the same for me and Vooch since he went to Chicago, I should say. We've not <laughs> to say that we're not getting along, but it's not the same as when he was in Orlando. Those were those were some special years. Those were some special years. A magical thing in drafts where you could just get Vooch about 10, 12 spots later than he should go. I don't, I don't know why. It happened for like three or four years in a row, <laughs> but it did. Okay, I think we hit all the names on our list. So uh, that's going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us today. We'll be back on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of next week. Raph, Steve, thanks to both of you guys for all of the insight, as always, and I will talk to you soon. See you Monday. All right. See you. Thank you. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.